right between the game and life podcast i have my man kyle witcher on today who single-handedly changed my shoe game when uh when he when he gifted me those shoes for my wedding i had never i'd only like purchased jordans and sandals that was it i i never had shoes like just for walking so ever since then now i want the walking comfort shoes but i appreciate that gift what's going on with you man man nothing i'm uh anytime you come out to Portland, I can get you some more too. Cause this is uh this is shoe country out here. I actually, I got to show you this one. Hold on. This speaking of shoes, our latest, my, this is actually the man cave that we're recording in. I got a, a Jordan four candle. Oh, wow. A Jordan four candle. Isn't it? That's pretty impressive. Huh? <laughs> it is impressive. <laughs> so I'll put that, I'll put that in the back. This is so cool. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so sneaker sneakers are obviously a huge part of our life. You know, uh, Nike's just 10 minutes from my house. So uh, I'm very fortunate to live out here. I've met some really cool people. But but yeah, man, I'm just chilling out here in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's now officially now the kickoff to the offseason. So I'm glad we were able to do this, uh, you know, this podcast because it's been a minute since we've caught up. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. I want to start at the beginning and kind of how what I want to talk about is just I'm super curious of, of how like professional athletes and people like how they got good at their craft and and um, specifically basketball, because I played basketball, I played in college. I know you you played at the highest, highest levels. And um, for like the last few months, I just want to understand like people's mindset, work ethic at different levels and kind of how those um, principles they picked up in sports translates to life. So one of my first questions I ask people is like, what is your earliest memory of, of, um, the game? You know, for me, um, my dad played. So at the earliest age, I had a basketball in my hand. I think, um, you know, us being parents too, I think parenting is so, you know, critical because it's that nature versus, uh, uh, you know, the instinct of, you know, it's, it's kind of, you're born, you know, into this world, you're a victim of your surroundings. So you're, you know, but you can also put in whatever effort into whatever craft you want. So at the end of the day, I, if I want my daughter to play basketball, I can give her the tools to play and, and, you know, teach her some of the things that I want her to know, but if she doesn't want, like, I'm not going to force her to do anything. So for me being around the game, that kind of just started, you know, the process. And, you know, I had to fall in love with it. So at an early age, I remember going to my dad's basketball games and it just became kind of this thing, you know, that it was just like the most fun thing in my life is playing basketball. So um, to answer your question, like, you know, for me, I'm very fortunate to be here today playing professional basketball still. And uh, I think, you know, it's just one of those things I fell in love with at the earliest of ages. And then I, you know, had to put in a tremendous amount of, you know, work to get to where I'm at today. So um, I think it's, it's fun, though, because I, I know um, my wife and I both played, you know, college basketball. So we're always talking hoops. And, and uh, so for us, it's, it's like this, the centerfold of our life, really. Yeah, I was I was um, I was looking at your dad and he had a pretty uh, he had a pretty impressive career overall. Um, he got drafted second round by the Bulls. You know, I think that's the same draft that Michael Jordan was drafted. And even though your dad never played an official game in the NBA, he had a few um, preseason camps, tryouts and overseas um, career, won the CBA championship, which which back then the CBA was kind of how like 
the G League is today. That was like the the league underneath underneath the league. But going back to when you said like you know you're kind of product of your circumstances. Did your dad just did did he allow you to fall in love with the game? Yeah, and that's that's the one of the keys is you know it's you know everyone want everyone's different in their parenting styles and his thing was you know he got me involved with all sorts of sports you know I was playing uh you know basketball baseball soccer and you know I could have fallen in love with any of those but basketball was my calling the one that I loved the most and uh you know when I was in fifth sixth grade whenever I quit the other sports it was then at that point all basketball so uh for him he just you know had me around the game and from there, I kind of just took off and fell in love with it. Yeah, I'm only six one, and I feel like my little kids, when they look at me, they think I'm a giant. So I can't imagine having a dad that's like, <laughs> what was that like as a little kid looking up at your, you know, seven foot dad? Oh, you know, and you know how it is. Like, you know, it's, that's the special thing about being a parent is your kids just look up to you no matter what. And uh, I think that's that was fun. It's just like, you know, obviously my dad is a bigger version of me. Like I'm six foot ten with shoes. He's he's pushing seven foot, you know, 300 pounds. And so for me, like looking up to him and, you know, it was like one of those things that is, is crazy because now that I'm a, a dad, it's just awesome to see my daughter, you know, growing up and she's always looking up to me. Uh, so for me, I just want to be a good dad and, you know, continue that tradition. Yeah. Another question I thought was funny. So with my uh, with my sons, you know, my wife is 5'10", um, a Jared sister's 5'10". So I always tell my sons, like, you guys have the like you might be tall because she's tall and I'm kind of tall. So I'm hoping for like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. But did you have people like in your family tell you that you're going to be tall like your dad? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, I feel like your kids might be gifted too. They, cause I know, I know I've, I've played with you a couple of times and I know you can hoop. So, uh, I think that's going to be fun to watch your, your kids grow up. But, uh, yeah, for me, like always growing up, they always saw my dad and then they're like, oh, he's going to be tall for sure. Yeah. And like, it's crazy cause I am tall, but like, I am a smaller version of him. So for me, like, uh, it's, it's, it was funny growing up cause everyone knew I was going to be tall because of him. Yeah. Um, you said you worked hard at the game. So like when you, once you fell in love with the game, what did that work ethic look like? Was it, um, was it, was it your dad training you? Was it drills by yourself? Did you have a trainer? What did, what did that self-development look like at a young age? I mean, all the way until high school, it was just real old school, just going out on the, the driveway and, you know, our driveway wasn't too big. So all you could do is shoot from the top of the key. You couldn't shoot from the corner or you'd be in the dirt. Right. So I would just be at the top of the key shooting, just getting those reps up. And at that point it was just fun. Like it didn't matter. I could be out there for two hours just shooting. That's all I did. Um, but then when I got to high school and I got a little more serious about it, when I realized like, Oh, I might, I could go to college for this. That's when I met someone in Portland, a physical trainer. And that's when you started like, you know, light lifting in high school. And then you, you really, you know, getting a lot of uh, individual workouts in and just working on my shot. Cause um, that's just like, and at every level is like, when you think you're working the hardest, you just get to the next level, then you got to work harder. Right. But then when you get to college, when you get to Kentucky, it was like, man, we were running on the treadmill. We were doing late night workouts. It was a, it was a crazy experience. But like I said, it's like every time you get to that level, you realize you're not working hard enough. And so you just, it's just a never ending, never ending grind. 
Yeah. Who was a, who was a local person that you looked up to maybe someone that we don't know that you really, um, inspired to be like, maybe it was in high school or middle school. There was like a local guy that was really good known as that guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one, the one name that's, you know, huge is Kevin Love. Uh, he's from, he's from Oregon, you know, obviously went to UCLA and then went to the NBA. Like that was the guy that, you know, I wanted to, I looked up to, especially being from my, from our area. And then, uh, you know, Terrence Jones and Terrence Ross were just above me. And so getting to watch them, um, they were, I think Terrence Jones was a year ahead of me. So seeing the successes they had, uh, that was inspiring too. Just seeing guys from your area just realize like, oh, you can really get out uh, playing basketball. So it was fun to watch that. Yeah, that was cool in Lexington to see, even though, you know, Lexington's a small town, even though like the University of Kentucky is in Lexington, I think that was pivotal for me too, seeing like local dudes actually going division one, going out, going all over the country to play ball and, you know, playing professionally and stuff. Um, do you remember what was the first letter that you got in the, in, in the mail for college and how did that make you feel? Yeah, I think the, one of the first letters and actually one of the first offers I got was uh, from Oregon State. Um, and that's the home, one of the hometown teams. And my dad actually went and played there. So when I got that offer, I remember like, because when you're a kid, like now it's more of a social era, like, you know, social media and all this stuff. But when I was getting recruited, it was, I was getting letters in the mail. Right. And so like, I mean, there still was cell phones, but the letters were the big thing in, in our time. And so it was like getting those letters. It was like every time checking the mailbox, you see a new college, it was like a hype moment. So it was, it was cool. What, um, what, uh, grade was you in when you got that offer? I want to say like maybe, uh, sophomore year of high school, maybe June, maybe like, cause I was kind of a late bloomer. I really started playing really good in like sophomore year of high mm -hmm. school. And so I think it was like, I want to say sophomore year. That was one of the first offers of Oregon state. Yeah. I have a cousin who's, um, he's six eleven. He played at, um, Duquesne um he and I, I remember he grew early like he was like six nine in the eighth grade mm -hmm. did you did you grow early and then you had to like later on develop and figure out your body mine mine was interesting I was just always consistently pretty tall like I wasn't you know I was like when I got to high school I was like six five six six maybe somewhere around there and the next year I was like six seven and then six eight and then six nine and then that's where I, at six ten, I just stopped. And so it was like, I just slow, it was like a slow progression. It wasn't like an Anthony Davis or, or like your cousin, I was more slow and steady, you know? Yeah. Uh, a funny story I tell people. So my mom's side of the family is really tall. And like I said, I have a cousin that's six eleven. My brother is six, six. Uh, my mom had a cousin that played at Western Kentucky. He's six, eight. So if, if you go to our, like our family reunion, it's like six, five and above everywhere and then like my aunt she played at UK and she's six foot and so I'll, I would always read about you know how Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman they grew like eight inches after college or after their um uh senior year of high school and so I was looking at all my family members and like I have huge hands and stuff I'm like man I can't wait till I hit my growth spurt and get six seven imagine <laughs> next year you just have a growth spurt and you're in the league in two years yeah, but no, I've been the money, so you got to become a free agent. Exactly, but so I'm still I'm still waiting on that growth growth spurt. I've been six one since I was like 15 years old. Hey, I'm calling I'm calling it now. Your kids are going to be nice. You better, <laughs> you better have them in the gym. They better be on the driveway working on their ball handling. Oh uh, yeah, my my uh 
my uh, five-year-old son, he loves basketball. That's all he wants to do is play play ball. I have to, like, tell him, like, all right, we need to actually go inside and stop doing drills. But he loves it. So I love I'm going to be uh, – I'm going to be uh, LeVar Ball soon. So There we go. I, hey, there's nothing wrong with a supportive father, man. I, I, see, I'm a big LeVar fan. I don't know about you, but I, yeah. I love that kind of energy. It's like – I love when dads are in that. Like, I love watching, like, John Morant's dad, all the Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs. Like, I thought that was all – that was awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, so, you you picked Kentucky, and you pretty much had the pick of your litter of colleges that you wanted. Um, what was it about UK that you um, – as a reason why you picked them? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was, uh, like, junior, senior year, when I was, like, really serious about basketball, I – I just wanted to make the NBA and I was like, my, I was obsessed with it. Like I wanted to go to the NBA. Like that was like, and Kentucky had all these NBA players. So I was like, I told my mom and dad, I was like, okay, I might go to Kentucky and I, I might not play, but like, if I want to make the NBA, like I have to go there to at least see how I stack up against these guys. Cause I was really good in high school, but like, still, you, you know, have this, you have self doubt and you're like thinking like, you know, can I do this professionally? Like it was already a, no question. I was going D one. It was just a matter of like where. So I just saw all these players going to Kentucky and it was like, it was the hottest school at that time. And I was like, if I have an opportunity to go there, why would I not go there? So right. I was like, I'm going for it. I went there and it shocked a lot of people because like, you know, I'm from a, I'm not from a small town. I'm just from a small basketball circle from Portland. There's not a lot of, really high level Portland Hoopers there is now but at the time it was like you know very select so when I went people were shocked that I went away from home and I went to Kentucky but for me it was like it was a challenge and it was also like a reality check like I was like if I want to make the NBA I got to do this like I have to do it and so that's what that's why I made the decision yeah speak on that self-doubt as because like when I look at your resume and you know you won three state um, championships you were McDonald's All-American um did you, I'm, I'm sure you were on the um circuits in the summer and stuff so you still even after some of those earlier achievements carried that self-doubt with you yeah I mean I think it's just kind of like it's like human aspect or it's like that human instinct you know it's like it's like you know some days I'm I kill have 20 points 30 points I'm thinking like, oh I'm going first round or like you know you have that confidence and then you know other days it's like you're kind of down on yourself and you're thinking like can I do this? Or, you know, like I'm too slow. I'm not fast enough. Or, you know, it's just kind of like in life in general, like you have your ups and downs. And so I think that that's kind of how I was like, you know, I try to always stay level headed, but as, 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 as much as I want to, some days you have your down days, sometimes you have your up days. And that's why it's like, that's why it's important just to have a, you know, big family support. And, you know, they were pushing me and keeping me confident and, you know, at the end of the day, like anytime I'd feel down, then I'd go for 30 and I'd be like, yeah. okay, I got this, you know? So, um, but yeah. And then, especially when you're going in that environment, Kentucky, it was like, that's the best of the best, especially at that time, like Anthony Davis, all those guys. So it was, it was challenging. And I just, you know, I just went for it two feet in and it, uh, it was one of the best choices I've ever made, you know? Yeah. Um, one other experience I want to ask you about. So, like when I went to my first college and I was so excited for that first day of open gym. And I think every like basketball player looks forward to when everyone's on campus 
you know, and I think, but Kentucky might be a little different because they, they kind of start practice in the summer, but do you like, what were your feelings going into that first meetup or practice or open gym session? Yeah. I mean, at that point I had already known everyone coming in with me. And I think what really helped me mentally is like, I'd played against Anthony Davis, Marcus T, Michael Gilchrist, and I've no, I knew them from the circuit. We all were committed, went to McDonald's All-American game. So going in like a crew like that, it made – I wasn't nervous at all. It was just – I was going, I was excited, I was amped to play. And also there wasn't like – I was such a unique player because all of those guys, super athletic, you know, slashers, I was just like a shooter. So for me it was like really fun because I really felt like I fit in. And so – I, I, I'll never forget, like, going to Kentucky the first, you know, first week or two of actually practicing was really hard because your body's tired, you know, you got your classes, everything. It's like, wow, like, I'm really in college now, you know. So, uh, but it was it was awesome, man. I, I can't complain. Yeah, I think it was funny earlier when you said how, like, you thought you were working hard and then when you got to, like, every level, the work picks up. So, like, I remember our, you know, my high school and then the way we worked and our conditioning and stuff like that. And then um, I was talking about on my last podcast about just like when, once I got to college, like my first college, how like how hard the practices were and how we would like the, the amount of running and the attention to detail and such. So talk about like that experience, like going from high school and now you're at like Kentucky where, like you said, you're at, you're at one of the top programs in the nation now. No, it's, it's it was crazy because it was like, I was doing my individual workouts. I was, I was playing here in Portland against some pros. Like, it wasn't like I was, it's not, it wasn't like I was just in a small city with no one to play against. Like I was playing against good guys, but when you get to Kentucky, I think like you talked about, it's like college is, is a grind. I don't care where you go. And it's like, you put all those factors, you're trying to socialize. You're trying to, you're not trying to be in your room all day. You're trying to socialize. You're trying to, to go to class or you get, you have to go to class. If you don't, you're in trouble. You know, you got to go to go to class, you're getting your weights in. I think all those elements together, then you got to go to practice and you're sore. Like those are those kind of things that people don't realize like being a, you know, student athlete is a very difficult life. You know, it's not, I don't care what level you are, it's tough. And so it's cool that you were able to play and like, you kind of know what that grind looks like. Cause it's, it's one of those things that people think that, you know, athletes got it easy, you know, whatever, but that, that wasn't the case at all. It was, it was a grind. And to this day, like, you know, me and my trainer, we always laugh at home because I finished up last season. I had a good year and then it's like, I'm coming home and I'm on the verge of getting like that next contract that I've been waiting for, hoping for. Yep. So I'm telling him, I'm like, Hey man, this is the biggest summer. Like we're getting in the gym Monday. Like He's like, you said that the last five summers. So, so every time we get home, it's like, it's go, there's no, there's no breaks. And the, the joy of it is, is even if I just work every year, every day, like basketball, you only play for so long. So you got to give it your all while, while, while you can. And then um, afterwards, who knows, maybe I'll be your co-host. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, those, um those junior college uh, uh, practices were, were brutal and I was telling you know my last guess is that like I would be so nervous for practice just because of how hard they were and at the junior college level it's so cutthroat because everyone's trying to get to that next level you know what I mean and so when it was when it was game day I would I would be more excited for game day obviously because like we didn't have practice and so right. 
And so I just remember those practices being so tough. Um, your freshman year at UK, y'all win the championship. You know, in Kentucky, hadn't won since um, 1998. And so that, of course, here in, here in Kentucky, that's all they talk about is number the, the next championship banner. Um, what did that feel like once the buzzer, um, once the buzzer sounded and, and uh, you guys were champions? It was a huge relief because that year, like we, you know, we had lost an SEC tournament and it was like, you know, BBN you know, has high expectations and we were number one through the year. We lost and it was like up and down. Like, but we, we were expected, everyone going to the tournament, we were number one, number one this, number one that. So there was a lot of pressure. And even though we knew we could do it, it's such a, that tournament, that structure is really hard to actually win it. So when we won the championship and like we actually did it, like all that work, all those treadmill runs, all those early morning weights, all that stuff was worth it. And like, that was the, the reason I went to Kentucky. It was like, it was honestly the best basketball experience I've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I wanted to discuss, so while you were talking, something that came to mind to my mind was like that game winning Indiana shot or which I think was like Christian Warford or whatever hit that game winning shot. And like the, um, the, the arena just like flooded the floor. Right. So as, as a, as a UK player, what was it like knowing that like every arena you walked into the fans are coming, the boos are coming, everyone's going to give you their best shot. Like what was, what was that like? I mean, that's what made it really fun. And, uh, you know, that was funny because I hadn't thought about that game or anything for for years. And I was doing a workout last week with the Blazers. And this guy comes up to me, you know, plays for the Blazers. I, I didn't I didn't know exactly who his name was. He was a younger guy. And I was like, he's like, hey, you, Kyle, man, like my brother played here at Kentucky. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, my last name's Watford. And I was like, that guy. <laughs> like, I was like. I was like, man, I still to this day have PTSD from hearing hearing the announcers walk for, for the win. And it was crazy because that game didn't really matter at all. Like right. it was just like in the season, but because we were number one seed or number one in the country, all that stuff, you know how college basketball is. That was that's what makes the game fun though. Even though you have your sad moments and like, yeah, Coach Cow the next day watching film wasn't fun. Like so. It's, those are the moments that make those high moments even more special. But you guys also played them in the tournament, right? Yeah, we, we played them in the tournament. We had a crazy road Louisville. to the championship. We had to play Louisville, them, man, I mean, Kansas in the championship. Yeah. Like, those are tough games, and anything can happen. Even though you're, we were expected to win, those games were close. And it was really cool to get to play them again and, and beat them when it really mattered. Yeah. Something I wanted to transition to was your Gonzaga transfer. And um, as I've studied the game and I've, I've just observed different players, one thing I'm starting to notice is that like how, like how someone's game fits into a system or to a team and how like the coach and just like how it all impacts a player's success. And so I was, I was also studying your college career and like you were almost, um, you almost had uh uh, 2000 points for your career like you had a really solid college career but you're but you you transferred to Gonzaga and like was the man for them um can you talk about how like 
your mindset going into that transfer and how like that opportunity and fit. Um, can you speak on that? Yeah. When I, when I went there, um, I went there, you know, I knew the fit would be good because they, they play with a four man who goes inside and out. But if I would have transferred straight from Kentucky to Gonzaga and didn't have that off year, I don't think I would have been the man. And like, what I mean by that is I had to go there I transferred and that was another reason I transferred is I needed to work on my game. When I was at Kentucky, I was, you know, sniper comes off the bench, shoots a couple threes. And if I'm not shooting well, I'm not playing that much. So when I made the choice to go to Gonzaga, I wanted to go somewhere where if I'm playing bad, the team might lose. You know, I wanted that responsibility to work on myself. And at Kentucky, there was nothing wrong there. I, you know, my sophomore year, I made improvements. It was good, but there was only so much I could do there. And so at Gonzaga, I went there for the opportunity. And that year off was the best year of my life because I was able to work on my body, get in better shape. You know, I was never strong. I was never quick. And after that year, it wasn't that I became all of a sudden LeBron James. Like I just, I got better in every category, even if it was by a little bit, I came a little quicker on my feet. I became a little better dunker. I became, you know, my athleticism improved. So when I was finally cleared after that redshirt year, then that style and fit that you talked about before, it was like night and day difference. You know, it's a dribble drive offense is not for a player like me. I'm not, I'm not gifted like Kyrie Irving coming with the rock. You know, I'm shooting threes, taking a couple dribbles, getting into the guard, getting in the block and, you know, miss in, in abusing a mismatch. And so Gonzaga was tailor made for a four man who kind of shoots threes, but then can post up as well. And that year off, you know, coach Fude asked me, what's the number one thing you need to work on? And I said, my post game. So I used to be a post player because my dad taught me, but I hadn't really posted out of Kentucky. So at Gonzaga, I was able to really work on that. And, and then, like you said, it's like that style was completely different than Calipari system. And, and so for me, it was more suited for my style play. Yeah, I love that you said, you know, you were at Kentucky you had a certain role as a sniper. And like that is such a confidence killer, knowing that, like, if you come off the bench, whatever position you in, if you missed your first two shots, like you're coming out. But now you transfer to a system where even if you are playing bad, you're given the freedom and the green light to kind of figure it out. Like if you have a rough first half you can always bounce back in the second half where here at Kentucky, if you miss your first three shots, you go one for three in the first half, you might not play the second half. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the next man up and that's what makes Kentucky so great. And they're always going to be good is because they, they get the talent. They, you know, they know how to recruit. And that's where, you know, for me, it was like nothing wrong. I, it was really tough leaving, you know, Kentucky. I had some really, really good friends there, you know, obviously really cl close with Jared and, I think leaving that was one of the toughest things I did, but I think for my basketball career, it was, it was probably the smartest. Yeah. Um, you were preseason player of the year, your um, senior year. I mean, yeah, you're, you were nominated as like one of the preseason player of the years before your senior year. And you said that red shirt year is when you had the most growth. What did those workouts and what, what did that work ethic look like? Like, were you working with the coach and would you go back to the gym, you know, late at night and get some extra shots up by yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was like you had more time because you're not traveling with the team. So I remember like the strength coach was having me like lift at 6 a.m. every morning, 
you know, and it wasn't because he was trying to like kill me or anything. It was because I had class from eight to one. And then at one, I'd usually do a basketball workout before the team practice at three. So I was doing weights in the morning, individual workout, and then practice. And then at nighttime, sometimes I would come back and do stew. The stuff that you don't, you know, really have time to do in the day is just repping out shooting and, you know, stuff like that. So it was long days my redshirt year. And I remember it was very hard to stay positive because it was like at that point, like people knew who I was when I transferred. But in the mid redshirt year, people would be like, oh, man, you play basketball. And I would be like, yeah, like I'm on the team. They're like, oh, well, the team's in California. What are you doing? And I'm like, and then I'm having to describe to a fan that I'm a red shirt and I'm working on my game. And like some, if you're not a basketball junkie, you don't know what a red shirt is. They're like, what is a red shirt? Like, I, yeah. I'd be like, I swear I'm on the team. Like, and they think I'm lying. So for that, it was a humbling experience, but also it just, it made me just get stuck in the grind and just work really hard. Yeah. And that's even crazy knowing that, you know, you transferring from Kentucky where you won a national championship and people are asking you, who are you? Do you play yeah. on the team? For sure. It was, it was humbling, but it, it like I said, it, it got me to just work and I was able to also focus on my studies. Like, you know, they gave me an opportunity, like they said, Hey, you know, you're going to have an extra year of school. Do you want to slow it down and just finish on time? Or do you want to speed up your school during this retro year so that you can do your master's? So I, they're like, you can try and you can always scale back. And I just, I went two feet in and I was very lucky and I finished my master's. So um, that was another opportunity that, you know, it's an amazing thing, you know, us being athletes, like getting that opportunity. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, after that red shirt year, seeing you on TV for the first time and you did just look like a totally different person. Like you are slimmer, you're more athletic. And I remember even in my own playing career, like, once I, once I got to be a junior and senior, how easier the game was just being like stronger, you know, going as a, cause your, your strength and your body development is way different at 21, 22 than it was at 17, 18. Can you speak on like how, how much easier the game got once you got into better shape? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause like I always worked hard, but I think some of it was just like, you know, father of time. Like I just am a late bloomer. So it wasn't that I was growing you know, in size, I wasn't like, I was six, nine at that point And I stayed six, nine, but I think it was just like every year I got slimmer and just more of that, like, you know, kind of grown, grown man strength. And even to this day, my last year professionally, I'm like, I'm, I'm 29. I'm not super young, but I was the strongest and leanest I'd been this last year, not because I was doing anything different. I think it's just my time, my, my body matured at a different rate, you know? So mm -hmm. Um, it's been an interesting career for me because I looking back like yeah like you said it's like just being able to be stronger and, and just like holding your own like those are things you take for granted and like I think when I first got to Kentucky I didn't have those and even you know when I was with the Rockets like I look back and pictures I'm like I can't believe I look like that <laughs> it was like it wasn't because I wasn't working my ass off it's just yeah, it's just what I, that's that's who I was you know so yeah, it's funny you said that. I'm kind of in that right now. So over the last two years, I've lost like, you know, 50, 60 pounds. You know, I was after I after my playing career, I turned into a 
power lifter. So I was all about, you know, the weights and stuff like that. And then once the gyms closed down, I started doing more cardio focused workouts and I've yep. lost all this weight and I just ran a marathon in April and all that stuff like that. Awesome. And so I'm, I'm, I'm at like, I'm at like my high school weight right now. And uh, when I look back at pictures over the last couple of years, I'm like, I can't believe all my family and friends let me walk around looking like that. It's crazy. It's crazy how life works. Huh? No, I was going to say when when you uh, when I when you answered the call, I was like, man, you're looking <laughs> real skinny over here. You're looking like young Cam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm just I'm just uh, hitting the streets running, my brother. Um, you're, you're running around the, the kids. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> running away from them. Exactly. <laughs> um. You so after after your college experience, you spend one year with the Rockets um, at 2016, 2017 season. And I also asked um, Darius this of just like walking into certain situations. Right. So like you walk into Kentucky situation, you know, most of the guys you're excited, you know, you understand that there's, um, you know, maybe something bigger that you guys can accomplish. But you also know your role. And then when you walk into the Gonzaga situation, you know, like you are a coveted transfer, um, you know, player, you're coming off a championship team at Kentucky. So you're kind of walking in with like a certain amount of confidence, I would I would say, even though, you know, you have to work, you know, like you're coming in as someone that they truly want it. And, and probably many other teams want it. And then you trend and then you transition to the NBA where you're walking into a situation where like you have superstar players and guys making, you know, $30 million and stuff like that. And you're just a um, rookie coming in. Um, what is that experience like, like walking into that NBA situation? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was great actually, because I was in the draft and, you know, I was watching, kind of nervous because I, I, I had a late second round range um, from what I'd heard from teams. So when you get drafted at the end, end of the draft, it's kind of like a crapshoot. Like you, you could end up on a team that has no interest in you. They just, they got to get their draft pick in whatever. So when I was getting to the 45 fifties range, I was on my phone with the agent, everyone in my watching with me was all nervous. They're like, Oh, is he getting drafted? Everyone wants to hear the name called, but for me, I went undrafted and there was a couple teams that were going to draft me like, I mean, 56 or 58. And my agent said, do not draft him. Uh, don't draft him because we have a deal lined up for him after the draft. That's a better fit. And so I told my agent, listen, I trust you. Go ahead. So we're able to sign. As soon as the draft ended, we signed a deal with the Rockets. And why that was significant was they had just gotten D'Antoni, which was basically like run and gun, shoot threes you need players like me. And they've always had a guy like me, Steve Novak, like guys that just shoot threes. And so yeah. when I stepped, when I signed there, I felt that, I mean, I, they, even though I was non-drafted, they called me up on the phone and it was like, even though I wasn't drafted, I felt that, you know, they actually wanted me. So it gave me confidence. And when I got there, it was like, there wasn't a lot, there was Ryan Anderson and me, and we were like the only two real, just stand up and shoot. And so when I got there, it was always me and Ryan against each other. And it was like, I'd always be on James Harden team because he wanted a guy who just stand there and shoot the three if they pass it to him. So for me, it was like, I was nervous going into it, but they gave me the confidence that I actually belonged. And like, ever since I touched down in Houston, like it was like the perfect fit that offense. It was kind of like Gonzaga. It was like a mix of Gonzaga and Kentucky where it was just like, I found a role. And like, even though I, I only, I didn't play much my rookie year. Like I fit in with everyone. I was just, you know, working hard and I, 
it, it was just, it was a, an amazing year. And obviously I worked my whole life to get there. So being in the NBA, even if, if I never get there again, I, I can tell my kids, you know, I was in the NBA. So it was like, that's all I care about. And I still work every day to get back, but that was, that was uh, an amazing moment. Yeah. One of my friends in high school made it to the NBA, Shelvin Mack. You probably heard of him. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, I was downloading a picture of him to post for my next podcast episode. And uh, my son was actually making fun of me that I didn't make the NBA and he did. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, he's he'll always he'll always get on me for that. I bet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what when you transitioned to the overseas career? What were some of the deciding factors that went into that? Yeah, I mean, just guaranteed. That's that's that was the only thing. Um, when I was at the Rockets, um, I went there and it worked out for me. I made the team. It was a perfect fit. Then I was traded and I had to go to the Clippers, which they had no interest in keeping me. So I got waived. So at that moment, I was able to kind of choose between a couple of teams and I chose the Raptors. And so I went to training camp again and I ended up being like the last cut they needed. You know, they were like, hey, we like you. You can go in the G League. We'll probably call you up, but we need to keep the cap. It was like a tax rule or something. They need yeah. to keep that, that last space open. So on paper, I thought I made the team because they, they made their cuts. And I was the 15th guy and they, and there's 15 roster spots. So I thought I made it and I was hyped, whatever. And then they cut me on the last day mm. and that was, you know, really tough. So then I got a really good offer to go overseas. And so I took it. So, and then the next season, my agent gave me the opportunity. Do you want to go to camp again? Or do you want to take, take uh, overseas? And I said, let's just, let me think about it for a couple of days. And then another big money offer came from overseas. So that's the battle I face every year. I can go and, and risk it. And sometimes it's going to work out because I'm a fringe player. I can find a good fit or a team is just gonna be like, no, we don't need him. You know? So, um, for me, it's about, you know, I have to provide for my family and overseas when you sign a contract, that's fully guaranteed. Obviously if I had the opportunity to sign a guaranteed contract in the league, I'd be in there, you know? So right now I'm, getting semi-guaranteeds or, hey, come to camp, we really like you, but you still got to fight for that roster spot. And I'm, I'm on the verge of maybe doing that or getting a guarantee this year. I'm kind of just waiting right now as a free agent. But if nothing comes, it's always, it's always like I just said, is like it's a risk, risk and reward. Obviously, you can risk it, but if you don't make it, you're kind of late to signing overseas, so you're going to miss out on a lot of good teams. Yeah, Darius talked about, you know, when I was talking to him, he was talking about like how his first couple of years in the league and he went overseas. And he and he also talked about how like um how difficult it is when a team like doesn't have a vision for you. So like you said, like you got traded to the Clippers and they automatically just cut mm -hmm. you away view. Um can you speak on that about how like you know, it, what it feels like for a team not to have vision for you but also just like the business of the NBA. Yeah. I mean, one of my closest friends is Gary Payton the second, and he is in a similar situation like me where we went to camp together as rookies. I made the team. He didn't. And you know, the next year he didn't make a team again. And I'm, I didn't make a team as well. So I was given an opportunity to go overseas. He was given an opportunity to go overseas. He said, no, I'm going to stick it out and, you know, fight. So 
you fast forward seven years later, there was seven years he was in and out of the G League mm -hmm. fighting. And I'm over here overseas, you know, fight, you know, trying to make my money, whatever. All it takes is one team to like you. And that's and for guys like me, even Gary, we're very specific role players. Like we're not players that are going to be like Kevin Durant, LeBron, an all-around game, you know, like those. Like we're those guys that complement those guys. And so you look, you fast forward. And he just made, he just won an NBA championship and he just signed a three years, $28 million contract with Portland Trailblazers yep. because now people can see his value. And that's the thing with me is like, I provide a very specific value. It's just, you have to find a team that's going to appreciate that. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do this year because I'm still 29. I still got some of the best years of basketball ahead of me. Um, but if, if, a, if I can't find a team that appreciates me, then, I'm going to continue traveling the globe and enjoying my time with my family and, and never looking back. Yeah. I love this conversation because it shows how like nuanced basketball is like, you can be such a great player, but like, if it's not the right fit, not, not the right system, if the team doesn't have a vision for you, like there are hurdles, there are, there, there, there's hurdles to show that value and to show what you can actually um, do out on the court. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's the game. And there's a lot of good players, even last year, who, who didn't play basketball because they they waited out to try to find that right fit and never found it. So there's a lot of the players. That's the thing that, that real basketball people know. But there was a lot of free agents who never signed an NBA, never signed in Europe, and they just worked out at home because they never found that team. And that's that's the that's the the name of the game for guys like me and or players fighting to get back in the league maybe there's 30 teams and three spots on every team there's 90 spots but there's 250 free agents that are on the same level so it's not that you're necessarily better or worse than another player it's a game of musical chairs and finding those right fits because everything is you know even though i'm not kevin durant my job next year is affected by what he's doing yeah. because now Teams are not worried about filling out their rosters yet. They're they're worried about signing Kevin Durant, <laughs> right? It, you know, and it, those are the things that people don't realize. I was having a conversation with my agent yesterday. Is like now I'm at home. I have to wait to see what Kevin Durant does because if a team that's interested in me wants Kevin Durant, they get him. Now they're filling out their roster with minimum contract guys. If they never get him, now they're they're scrambling to sign players and they're like more of a mid-level guys, you know? Yep. So everything's kind of related. And that's that's the nuances that it's been very interesting, you know, as a as a player, you know, getting to see it firsthand. Yeah. One of the questions I want to ask you is as I think about like your career and also the people that you played with at Kentucky at Gonzaga, maybe your first year in the league, can you can you expand on like what it means to have like your own personal version of success um, in like, cause you're right. Like it's easy to compare yourself. You know, you played with Anthony Davis in college, you know, like Anthony Davis is, you know, top 10 players in the world. You know, you've played with other players um, that might've taken different routes. Like you just said, Gary Payton, you know, stuck it out for seven years and now he just signed a nice contract. But can you talk about the importance, and this, and, and this goes for all walks of life, right? Whether it's someone that's good academically and their friend gets into Harvard, but they have to go to, you know, um, University of Utah, I don't know. But just like, 
can you talk about the importance of having your own path and having your own version of success? Yeah. I mean, you just have to stay in your own lane. I mean, I, th- I think that's been a huge model for myself is like, I think the, at the end of the day, like you're kind of just focused. I have to always focus on myself because, okay, say yesterday I'm at an NBA workout and I, and they've tested my body fat since the combine, they will see that I went from 13, 14% to now I'm 7%. They'll see that. But if they never saw that, that grind, I'm sorry, there's a guy blowing, blowing my yard right now. Oh, see, I, see, I'm on my, I'm on grown man for the landscape over. Um, no, but like what I was saying is like, okay, I test in at 7%. If I'm in a group of workouts and everyone's 3%, Oh, they're like, oh man, Kyle needs to get his body fat down. But that's where I stay in my own lane. And like, I, I know the growth that I've had, you know what I mean? And that's all you got to worry about. If I, you know, if I was trending the wrong way, then I have to evaluate my career or, or my work ethic. But I know the amount of effort and time I put into the game. I know the time and effort, you know, and that's the thing is like, even with parenting is like, we do our absolute best every day. You know what I mean? And sometimes our kids are going to fail. Sometimes they're going to, they're going to fall and bump and hit their head. You know, we have to do what we can just to, to realize, you know, we're doing everything we can to protect them. And then also that translates to my career is like, at the end of the day, if I get that big contract I've been wanting, then great, we celebrate. But if I don't get it, I don't have to be sad about it. Cause I know I, you know, I did everything I can. Yeah. Did it, did it take you like years of maturation to get to that point? and understand that yeah and for me I've, I've been fortunate to be around some really good people and you know one of the people my trainers i've trained with since freshman year of high school and i think that he's instilled a good amount of you know positive you know themes in my life but for me like yeah it's, it takes years just like just like what we were saying about the work ethic like every year you think you're working your hardest until that next year that's kind of like how the mindset goes too is like you always got to be stronger mentally. Cause it's like, every time I think like, Oh, like um, the next contract's going to come or, or if that next contract does come now you're working harder and you got to be more positive. Cause now you're going from being the man to now if you get that contract you want, now you're going, if I get the lead contract now, like you said, is like, there's all these superstars. Now I'm a role player again. So life, life in general is a, is a mental game, as you know, and it's just all about trying to stay level-headed and, and doing what you can. Yeah, as we get into some of the meat of this um, talk about like how the game and life intersect, um, as you as you reflect on like your basketball career and your journey, um, what do you think has been some of the biggest takeaways from the game that you try to apply to your life now? Whether that is like mindset, work ethic, um, some of those lessons you've learned from maybe coaching that you apply to parenting. I mean, there's just a whole gamut of things. I feel like the game teaches us with everyday life. Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the things that I talk about with my wife all the time is just I think communication is a is one that one wouldn't come to a lot of people's mind, but you know the game creates a lot of open doors, and it's a matter if you take them or not. And I think mm-hmm. that I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people, and and a lot of pe- some people, some players just put their headphones on, they go about their business, which is fine. Do do whatever you think is best, but what I've been able to do around the game is is talk to people and, you know, meet them, you know, 
I love what you're doing because you're getting, you know, you love talking hoops, but you're also getting to kind of study how people act and, and how they've done what they've done. And I think the game, that communication, being able to talk to people and learn more about them, because that's a skill that will translate to whether you do real estate, whether you do marketing, whatever. I think communication in this world and knowing how to talk to different type of people and, and being aware of, of their upcoming and being aware of the life they're living is, is a critical skill that I think that I've learned from the game. Yeah. My, uh, so going back to my junior college days, you know, I went from Lexington, Kentucky to Wyoming. That's where my junior college was. And so on that team, we had a very diverse group of people. Like we had people from New York, um, people from like London, Siberia, Argentina. And I'm like, how did all these dudes end up here in Wyoming? And I'm trying to, so like with that, like I understand how communication definitely works in that. Um, did you also like maybe does that communication for you pick up? Um, is, is it more relevant because you spent time overseas in just different countries? And, you know, I mean, you've 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 inter interacted with people from all walks of life. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's overseas. You see that 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 diversity piece greatly. You know, you're getting all these different people now trying to get the trying to fight for contracts like you know fighting for d1 scholarships is the first level now there's guys that are fighting for these for money you know so i think it's it's it brings up you know a good side of people and i think that getting to see everyone's you know in it for the, the same reasons support their families and stuff like that but i think the game's a, a beautiful thing because i think it brings people together you know unfortunately we've had some terrible things happen in the world and i think sports has been a you know, a good thing in people's lives that bring them together and you kind of look past. I mean, that's the one thing that I always like, you know, I don't care where you're from. Like I'm always going to treat you with respect and dignity. And that's the thing that I think sports ingrains in people that it's a, an, hopefully it will continue to be this way, but it's, it's an inclusive game and it brings people together. Yeah. How, how fun is it to have a wife that played in college? It's, it's fun, but it also, uh, it brings out the competitive juices. You sure as hell can't play each other in ping pong. You can't play pool because the minute I beat her, she's, she's hot. Yeah. But the minute she beats me, I'm hearing about it all day. Yeah. So, so no, it's, it's great because, uh, she understands the game. She understands, you know, what I'm going through and, you know, sometimes I need my space and she's like, you know, whatever, but sometimes she's going to be like, Kyle, you need a rebound. You need to get some more rebounds. Like I, like, I just had 20 points. Like, you're not happy. Like, no, you need a rebound. It would have been better. 20 and 10 sounds better than 20, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's great because it's that level of support, but a level of challenging. And it's like, if I'm sitting and not working out for two weeks, she's going to say something like, why aren't you in the gym? Right. You know? So I think it's a, it's a great thing. And that's a huge reason I married her is, you know, she's my best friend and, you know, and, and having that support is huge in this career. Cause it's, it's a mental game. You know, there's, like I said, there's ups and downs, you know, and those are the things that people don't see and, and having someone in your life like that is, is huge. Yeah. Um, you played in Greece, right? Yeah. In Greece. Yeah. I was reading, uh, Giannis's book and they, and, uh, I was reading about like the atmosphere of just like the overseas Greek game and the Greek fans and stuff like, is, is that, um, is that environment really that crazy? It's the craziest thing you'll ever hear <laughs> in your life. That's all I got to say. Uh, it, it's it's like, 
if I'm ever fortunate to play out there again, you and your family have to fly and stay with us. There's an open door policy. You guys can come kick it whenever. If you're a basketball fan, you have to experience it. It's, it's unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. Wow. Yeah. My friend Shevin, he said he played. So he, I think he played a couple of seasons in Greece and he yep. said one day that the, um, like the, like the fan booster club came in and just let them have it. Just like, I guess his team wasn't performing well. And so the fan booster club came in and just ripped the team. <laughs> Shevin was like, are we really letting these fans in here in, in, in our many practice? Times, many times I've had that happen. And it's like, there's, and then the fans, on the other hand, they'll, you'll go out. If you're if you're doing anything, you're at the beach. They're like, why are you at the beach? You should be in the gym. Yeah. You know? like So their expectations are up there, and they don't realize, like, we're, we got to live our lives. Too. We can't be in the gym 20 hours a day or we'll be exhausted, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, no, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. I've gotten to play in Spain, Greece, and Turkey, so I've seen it all. It's, it's, been, it's been amazing because – that's the thing, you know, you go from the NBA to overseas, you think it's just going to be a cakewalk. There's a lot of good players overseas. And I think it's, it's a really good game and it's growing. And so it's fun. It's fun to be a part of it and experience it, but man, that Greek rivalry games are in, intense. Yeah. And one question I want to ask you about like the development of overseas players. And I read this um, one day about how like, so Greek kids, they start, I mean, not, not Greek kids, but like, overseas players the way they develop like they start off on like shorter rims they shoot with smaller balls and they kind of have like a level tiered approach to the development of their skills and I think that's why like sometimes overseas players are a little bit more skilled than American players like American players we have the athleticism and stuff like that but usually an overseas player like they're just more fine-tuned with the fundamentals um, did you see that in your time of playing overseas is just like the different development in the youth compared to the American game. Yeah. I never really saw the youth, like, um, you know, how they develop, but I, I mean, it's just, the game is different. Like it's, it's more skill oriented, the way the offense is run, like it's more well-rounded. There's, there's less like one-on-one, you know? So I think that it's interesting getting to see both. I mean, even I did an NBA camp last week. It was like, the game is definitely different. You know, there's more space and the rules are a little different, but it's the way like the skill is definitely there's a tons of skilled player in the league. It's not about that. It's just definitely like you're saying, I think they are taught a different way. Yeah. How are you going to use um, and I think this is my last question because I want to I want to respect your time. But how are you going to use what you've learned in, in game and apply that to parenting and kind of the way? you know, your child may approach sports and such. And I know it's a kind of a deep question, but yeah. I'm just, I'm just always curious to how, you know, players want to parent and want to see their kids participate in sports in sports, because like, you know, even though I played college and, and such, like I do want to see my kids play sports, you know, whether that's soccer or baseball, whatever, like as a former athlete, I want to see my kids perform in sports. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious as, as to your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, you know, it's cliche. I'm going to be as supportive as possible. Uh, I think the one thing that me and my wife have talked about is like, yeah, like we want to see our kids play sports and we're going to have them around the game. I feel like that naturally will give them, you know, some sort of, they'll look up to us and stuff, but I think we'll, we'll push them as far as they'll want to be pushed. I'm not going to, if they're not enjoying it, I'm not going to push them in the gym, but if they are enjoying it, I'm going to be tough on them. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be tough. And I'm, cause that's how we were raised, you know, um, sports is a way out. You know, my, you know, my um, wife's 
dad is from Compton, California, you know, not the best place, you know, even me, like I wouldn't, this roof over my head right now wouldn't be if I didn't play basketball, you know, it creates opportunities. So if my kids enjoy the game, I'm going to push them and do how we were raised. Cause I think we turned out all right, you know? So um, I'm just going to continue that tradition. And, and then, like I said, is that they're having bad games or they're not enjoying, I'm going to be supportive. And I'm going to be there for them. And I think that presence is a, is a huge thing that I want to, I want to um, hopefully, you know, grind now so that, you know, cause I think big part of presence in life, like, you know, just being at their games and stuff is determinant on money. You know, I hope, hope I can be free, free enough when they're playing, I can be at every game. I'm going to be there like with our ball. And, and hopefully now you, you're going to be at every game. I yeah. think that's, that's huge. I think that that presence, that parent presence, both sides is, is huge. And I think that's the number one thing I'm going to try to hit. Yeah. My, uh, my son was doing uh, drills and he's, he's five. He was doing drills and I, I told him, you know, for every layup you miss, that's a push up. Do you think that's a little bit too much too early at age five? I think, I think, I think you got to up it to like two, three. <laughs> Especially you said you were into body lifting. You got to get this boy strong. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for you though. I'm excited. Cause I want to see, I want to get out there. I, I've been wanting to make a trip out there. I want to see Jared. You know, I'm obviously close with their family. And, and you know, time flies. Like, you don't realize you, you blink your eyes and you got four kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to have another kid. Like, it, it's life hits you fast. Jared's got kids. So it's like, it's just, it's it's one of those things. I got to see you guys. You guys are all great people. I'm, I'm glad that we we're able to catch up. Bro, you can hit me up anytime. Jared, bro, tell Jared I said what's up. I'll hit him up too. But, uh, Man, it's awesome to see how how things are going for you, and I love uh, I love that you're you're a great dad, man. I'm I'm proud of you. That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Proud of you too. Yeah, I'm about to go see. Uh, we're we're about to go on vacation, all of all of Jared's family, and so I'm about to spend the whole week with him and his brothers and all our kids. So we're That's about awesome. to leave. We're about to leave tomorrow morning, and this should be fun. Should be fun. A fun week. So awesome. I'll tell him. I'll tell him you said what's up, and I'm gonna get him on here too. Yeah, yeah, I'm I got talking. It. I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be watching for, uh, for Jared's video. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, Cam. Anytime, bro. Just hit me up whenever. Yep. Yep. Peace.